Blog Talk Radio. Something new that we're doing. We're going to do that as well. 
And then we're also going to talk about one matchup to watch out for in next week's game that you already know at the end. We always give Angela the mic to do do her final uh, thought for the podcast. But before we jump into that, you already know who I'm bringing on the podcast with me. My co-host, the one and only Angela Montoni. Angela, how are you doing? The Eagles have a victory under their belt. Like I said, last year they started off this way. They went 3-0, and and then the Willis fell off the bus. Hopefully this doesn't happen this year. Uh, I'm doing well tonight. Obviously, it was great to start the day off with an Eagles win. I uh, wish I would have gotten to see the whole game, but unfortunately, I had to leave for work with about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, so I had to watch that great Fletcher Cox play on the replay. Um, but whatever they won, that's the most important thing, not me being selfish and me you know, whining because I couldn't say it. And, uh, you know, I am absolutely railroading the dude that I'm playing in fantasy in my other league right now. So it's a good day to be me. Hopefully, we money at work tonight. So there we go. It's a good hey, Sunday. So it's a win. Hey, it's a win. It's, it's a win all. Uh, so it's a win. Excuse me, all around for you. Make money. Got your fantasy win and the Eagles win. You got the perfect trifecta there. You wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely not. <laughs> As we hear her texting in the background, but let's get sorry. <laughs> let's get. It's okay. Let's get underway here on the uh, pod and talk. About, let's talk about today's game. Like you say, Eagles won 30-17. You didn't see the Fletcher Cox play until he saw the replay, but it was pretty freaking out, pretty freaking amazing. But, but before we even get to Fletcher Cox, there's a lot of things that happened before uh, this game. And before we can talk about th- our three takeaways, we got to start off how the – we got we to talk about how the Eagles started off. The, the, the defense, they get – uh, they 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 allow the Redskins to get their get the convert on first on third down the, on their first drive and I'm sitting there thinking to myself oh my God here we go again we can't get off till third and long they come back on the second what was it the second third the second third down and they almost and I think Cousins almost throws an interception and it just goes through Nigel Bradham's hands and then the Eagles get the ball on their first possession, and guess what Doug Peterson does? He pulls an Andy Reid trick, which is the play-action fake going deep, but Carson Wentz misses Torrey Smith just by a hair. He missed him a couple of times just by a hair. And I think they'll get that get that straightened out, but it's good to see that Wentz can put it out there and Smith can go and get it. But on the third play, when Wentz uses his magician-esque Skills to elude the 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 the, the, the to elude Washington's pass rush, escapes the defense, steps up in the pocket, throws the ball. Looks like just throws the ball for one foot on a broken play. Nelson Aguilar is wide open, gets the ball over the over the defender and takes it to the house for a 58 yard touchdown. I was shook when I saw that because when I saw that ball on the air and I'm seeing who's on the on the other end of it, I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, is he going to catch this ball or is he going to drop it? But Aguilar caught the ball and had a pretty outstanding game for the most part. What did you think, what was just your thoughts going through your mind when you saw, oh, my God, Wentz is about to get sacked, but he steps up somehow and finds Aguilar for the first touchdown of 2017. Well, I've been, like, overly critical about Wentz's happy feet in the pocket. I think, you know, there's plenty of tape on that. Um, but this is one instance where it worked for him. 
You know, he yeah, obviously can dance around. And he can definitely. And like I said to you at the end of last season, um, you know, him staring down the receivers and dancing too much in the pocket. Like these are habitual things that can be changed. And I'd rather have a quarterback that's got kind of a little bit of an issue with um, habits than he does with mechanics. So. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's an instance where he had to dance around and he had to scramble and he found himself out of it. There are a couple of times where, like, I see him dance around where it's like you still got some room to stay put and plant your feet and go. Um, but, like I said, all habitual can be worked on. But, I mean, obviously, like, they've done some of that in the off season because, you know, he wasn't doing it as much in uh, situations where he didn't need to. So, I mean, I liked what I saw out of him today. He definitely he had a good game. Uh, he had a great game other than the one interception, which, you know, is par. It, it, that kind of stuff's going to happen. Um, he's not going to be perfect. No. So, I mean, overall, I was really happy with his performance. And I don't know who this Nelson Aguilar is that showed up today, but I'd like to know where he's been for uh, the past <laughs> couple of years. I think we all feel that way. We're trying to figure out who is this guy, Nelson Aguilar. Because like we said, these past, the first two years of his career – it just, it just didn't work out for him. Maybe it was because as a rookie in 2015, he was stepping into a situation where he had to be the number two wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? It's like when Jordan Matthews, mm-hmm. he had to step in and be the number one. So it's kind of like you're kind of you're putting guys in a position where they may not be the most comfortable at, and you're hoping to make something out of nothing. Now we're yeah. seeing Aguilar this preseason and training camp playing much more confident as a number three slot wide receiver. And I've been thinking this, Ange, that maybe he might be best suited to be a slot wide receiver in the NFL. And that's a really important position that a lot of people don't even really think about. Um, oh, certainly. The slot receiver. Oh, yeah. I think the slot receiver gets overlooked on a lot of teams and a lot of times. Um, and also, too, one thing to look at is the Eagles scored in every quarter of this game, which is a very, very positive sign. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, like he, Yahoo's showing that he got 17.6 points today. I don't think he's gotten a total of 17 points his entire playing career. So if they're going to use him right, and there are plenty of players that you can see like don't do well in certain wideout situations, but thrive in that slot receiver uh, position. Mm-hmm. One that I really like to always say, like use as an example of the slot receiver and how valuable they can be is Lance Moore when he played for the Saints with Drew Brees. Right. Lance Moore was a slot receiver, but Lance Moore could throw off the wide receiver numbers just just as well as anyone who was on that team. So it's definitely mm-hmm. in good position to have someone who's the right fit for it. And if that's right. where he's the right fit and he does well this season, I, you know, I don't know. Do they bring him back? Who knows? But, I mean, yeah. it's only one game. Our sample size is a little bit small, so I'm not going to, like, get ahead of myself right now. But I think right. it's definitely worth experimenting to put him in that role and see how he progresses on it. Oh, certainly. I, I totally agree with you because we kind of already know what he is on the outside. He doesn't have that – he doesn't have that – I think we're seeing that now too. He doesn't have that speed to be an outside receiver. Like no, you can he doesn't. Tell, there's a huge difference between him and Torrey Smith on the outside. Mm-hmm. He, he, he can't stretch the field and get open like that. Then you look on the other side, Alshon – he just doesn't demand that kind of respect on the outside in comparison to Alshon because Alshon's a big box. So, and I didn't even look at this when I was looking at Nelson Aguilar's stats. 
for this game or whatever. Not for, not his stats. Looking at his, you know, his height, weight, and whatever. Nelson Aguilar is only six one one ninety, and I was like, whoa! Like, I didn't think he was, you know, I didn't think he was that big, but I think he was that small either, size wise. Right. So I'm like, all right, six foot one. He doesn't have the prototypical size you want as an outside receiver like Alshon, but he doesn't. But even at his size, he can play on the outside, but he doesn't have that speed. But the way he plays, he could be with his size and his shiftiness, his elusiveness, because he did show that a little bit, that he can be a pretty good slot wide receiver, which the Eagles haven't had a good slot wide receiver in, like, uh, years, maybe. Jason Avant, last time he had a good slot wide receiver. He's got to be the last one, yeah. I mean, I'm blanking. So when you think about that, yeah. yeah, there ain't nobody else. So when you think about that, I mean, Kevin Curtis, but he was more of an outside wide receiver. He was more outside guy Yeah. for the, for the Eagles. That was a weird time, wasn't it? <laughs> Kevin Curtis on the outside with Deshaun Jack. Think about that. Ooh. Yeah, that was, it was a very, very odd time in Philadelphia sports. When you could tell we were starting to like play patchwork a little bit. Yeah, totally playing patchwork. And, 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 and and I'm like I said, thinking about this, and you know, you mentioned it how the slot wide receiver is so important, and we've seen this not only in today's games, but we're seeing this on Sunday Night Football. You know, Dak Prescott. You know, I mean, he's got he's got the likes of you know, he's got the likes of Terrence Williams on the outside and Des Bryant on the outside too. But what does he always have in that slot wide receiver edge? And we know this because he's a fantasy guy in PPR league. Rainbow bright. Exactly. He is Mr. Reliable. And for the Eagles, if they want to have any, in my opinion, they want to have any success in the receiving game this year, I think they are going to have to have a consistent performance from Aguilar this season because there is going to be times, like in today's game, right, where you're going to have defenses trying to take Alshon out the game, and double team mm-hmm. him, and you're when there's going to be times where Wentz might miss Tory Smith on a couple of deep balls. You need someone else to step up, and Aguilar is going to have to be that guy along with with Zach Ertz, who had a pretty good game himself. Ertz had eight receptions for 93 yards, which is encouraging. That is very encouraging because Zach Ertz is not really known to give you 90 yards in the opening season, opening week game. We usually get that like week 14. Things don't matter. He gave us well, let's not get ahead of this week. Yeah, but but again, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Um, love right. Zach Ertz. He's on my fantasy team. Got me a boatload of points today. Um, I named my team after him. My team is named Ertz, Wind, and Fire. My team avatar is True. awesome. I'll just say, you know, it is a cover art from Ertz, Wind, and Fire, and every single person on that damn cover has Zach Ertz head superimposed on it. Um, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Zach Ertz always comes up big against the Redskins. That is true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He does put up the points. Again. He always seems that he always seems to have like cur- like not career games, but like basically games you want to see out of him every single week against the Redskins. Mm-hmm. So like if we could, you know, if we could play the Redskins every single week, Zach Ertz would put up like top five t- tight end numbers in the league. He be he be Gronkowski. Let's call it what it is. He be yeah. So you know, I'm I'm very excited by this. 
because I just I feel like we keep waiting every single year for him to have that monster season that we know that he's capable of. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not really I'm not ready to uh, bet the house on uh, his upcoming year so far or just yet. Not at all. I'm just keeping account. He is 903 yards away from a thousand yards. That's going to be my nice. weekly tracker. <laughs> How far is Zach Ertz away from a thousand? <laughs> Because if he gets a thousand receiving yards, folks, the Eagles won't make the playoffs. Believe that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If he's used the way he can be used, and he can be effective, and he can hold on to the ball, then absolutely. If he gets a thousand yards, there the Eagles should, you know, sleepwalk into the playoffs. Certainly. And when we look at our three takeaways from the game, and that was one of my takeaways was Nelson Aguilar. But my other, in conjunction to my first takeaway from this game. Uh, my other the other guy who I really who I, who impressed me today was Michael Kendricks. We are seeing the re- reincarnation of Nelson Aguilar and Michael Kendricks this preseason and in this first game. Because Kendricks, he had a nice, um, solid tackle where he just and I think who was I was talking to Dio and Greg and they broke it down like it was just the perfect form tackle where he. Wrapped the guy up, drove him, picked him up, drove him down into the ground. It was just perfect. And we're seeing, and we kind of, we're kind of seeing a new and reinvigorated um, Michael Kendricks this off season too. That for as much credit as Nelson Aguilar has gotten, Michael Kendricks has, has been just that too as well. Well, I think a big part of it is they took that godforsaken billboard down off 95. I think that kind of put a little bit of a hex on him last season. Um, you know, being superstitious as I am, I think anytime anyone gets a little bit ahead of themselves with that kind of crap, it always comes back to bite him. So, you know, I'm going to go with the juju route and say, yes, he played great. And he 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 was like the preseason MVP. We knew that was – he knew he, knew he was going to come out and, and, um, and start the season well. You know, and if he yes. can stay healthy and he can continue this track, like he's he's gonna he's a great addition, and or not addition. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's been on the team for years. I don't it's have fun with fun with synonyms, um, but no, he's he's a good piece for them, and he's a really important piece for them. And like I said, that yes. blew my down. So there's no more no more jinx. But yeah, like he was he was great today. He came up huge today. He certainly did, and hopefully we can hopefully he can continue to play well because he's kind of that missing link in the linebacking court because we already know mm-hmm. what we're going to get from Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks, is he's on the cusp of being a pro bowler. And Nigel Bradham, he looks really good in coverage, really good in coverage. The way he can drop back, and like I said, he almost got that interception in the first quarter, and that's why he plays defense because he can't catch. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. He can't catch, so he mm-hmm. he can't play defense. But the way he can just drop back in coverage, I think that is so valuable. And hopefully this Eagles linebacking core can play well because we know Angela, the Andy Reid years, even part of the Chip Kelly years, linebacking play was not the best. Linebackers weren't even prioritized here. It was an Achilles heel for a really long time. Yeah. And it's great to see, you know. We don't have to deal with Kiko Alonso anymore. We can feel okay with having Nigel Bradham on the outside and not Kiko Alonso. I feel great about that. I take a sack of footballs over Kiko Alonso. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Kiko. Jesus, Luis. Kiko Alonso. 
Alonzo, how the mighty had fallen when he was, what, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, and then he just – injury sure killed him, I'll tell you that much. Sure didn't help him. I don't – I don't care. He could have been made of steel. He cost us shady. Yeah, and that, and, that, and that's and that's a and that's a podcast that we. But I'm not. I'm not. That we yeah, touched I'm not still bitter about that or anything. Nah. Not at all. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I I had defense. Yep, I had defensive line as one of my takeaways too. Oh really? So did I. Me and you are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> as always. Well, what was explain explain why you had the defense as one of your teams for you? Because I thought they were very impressive. Very impressive. Because they kept pressure on Cousins uh, the whole game. Uh, you know, I think if Darby doesn't go down, then Cousins doesn't really do much, if anything at all, because it's how they you know the first half, even at, like shortly after Darby went down, it was still like they. You know, they they really had a hold on him. So the D line put a lot of pressure on on Cousins, and I was really impressed with that. And and, and Fletcher Cox was just a monster. I mean, honestly, like when do we when do we look at like our roster and ask like what did we do to deserve like such a freaking beast on defense? And yeah. you know, it makes me even so. It makes me, and you know, honestly, it makes me even so much happier that the Titans did not want to give up that freaking pick for. Mariota to the chip head where we would have had to have dealt Cox. And I remember when mm-hmm. that was all going on saying, no, no, don't don't you dare get rid of him. Like, he's your premier defensive player. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, don't you dare give him up. So, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, that ended up not happening because, like I said, he's just a monster. He's just a beast. And sure. he, came out of that two, he came out of that 2012 draft, I believe, which actually mm-hmm. had a lot of really yeah. good really good players that were drafted for the Eagles. Unfortunately, not all of them are still here, but when they were here, there were a lot of players that had um, good years here. Like, I know Brandon Boykin came out of that draft, too, and I went, while he was here, Boykin was one of the best slot corners in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a really, really prolific draft for the Eagles, and Fletcher Cox was, like, the premier piece that came out of it. So, I just, that's, I can't say enough about him. He's, he's a total monster, and I love when the defense is on there every single drive that they're there because I just love seeing what he can do because he's just always, he's always involved in the big plays. No, he definitely is involved in the big plays. And I think defenses now, they are, they are, they are not going to be able to double team him as often because you have his partner in crime next to him, Tim Jernigan, who he played really well too. He laid us some couple of hits down. I think the one sack on Cousins, he literally just blew right through him when you sacked him. It was just, whoa, like this dude's packing. And no disrespect to Benny Logan, but I think Eagles fans, you know, we're going to forget we're going to forget about, we're going to forget about him very quickly because of Tim Journey, just the way he plays. Yeah, I mm, see the, the thing that's problematic about that statement is that Benny Logan was never really one of those types of players who would get the sacks. Benny, like, Benny Logan was more of like the run defender, and he did have a really good right. run defense game. So that's true. Uh, to say he was more of a run stopper. Yeah, he was the run stopper, um, and he right. had a really good chemistry with Fletcher Cox. So I am not necessarily saying that. I'm gonna not like I'm gonna like you know mourn the loss of Benny Logan on on our roster, 
for time to come. Like, you know, like I said, like I'm still bitter about Shady being gone. It's not going to be a situation like that. But, I mean, I did like Benny Logan in his time here. But, obviously, uh, given the play today, if we're going to use that as, as – what we're going off of, you know, it wasn't they were he he was I don't want to say replaceable, but they found a good replacement for him. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And the Eagles, obviously, if folks don't remember the Eagles, obviously did have a chance to sign him, bring him back, and sign him in free agency, but it just never it never happened. And obviously, we knew how the market was going to run and. Market didn't dictate to what he was going to get because he only got a one-year deal with Kansas City, who is the Eagles' next opponent, which we will be talking about mm. in a couple of minutes, which is going to be very awkward. It's going to be the Andy Reid versus his protege uh, game. But um, any other takeaways? Storylines are plenty. Is, yes, there is a ton of storylines. But any more uh, takeaways you have from this game that we may have missed? Because let me see, we touched on Aguilar. We touched on Kendrick, the defensive line. Um, in Car- well, Carson Wentz, obviously, we talked about the mechanics. They look much better. Anything else that we might have missed when we talk about this game? I really like in, how – In terms of takeaways. I was, like, queued up and ready for that. Um, I really liked how they used, like, Arapon today. Like, I really, really liked how they mm-hmm. used him. They didn't – they weren't going east-west with him. They were going north-south yeah. with him. And he had a pretty productive game. And they were also incorporating him into the pass game a little bit with the, um, with the bubble screen. So, to everyone that wanted him cut – uh, about two weeks ago, you can shut your mouth now. Man, they actually got chilled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Relax. But they actually they used him really well, and I liked how they used him, and I think that he was really effective uh, today. So, and and the and the thing is too, like that gives Darren Sproles a break off the field, and then that gives them the opportunity to gradually incorporate Pumphrey. They don't have to have him in, like as this rookie in this situation to where he's going to have to take all these snaps and carries. Like they can incorporate him, you know, here and there and get him used to the the system and stuff. You know, with the three running back situation, they're not. And, oh, I'm sorry, four running back situation. We're creating a smallwood. Um, my apologies, no disrespect. So it gives them a chance to like work in those two, you know, here and there because you can still roll with like Arab one and and uh, Sproles as your main running back. So it gives you a chance to gradually work them into the schemes and which might end up hopefully benefiting them down the line because Sproles is probably said he's retiring after this year. I mean, who knows? Marshawn Lynch, like players say they retire and then they come back. So it might not be the end of the road for him, but let's just go on the assumption that it is. Then it gives you, you know, it, yeah. it puts you in a good situation for this year, and it puts you in a really good situation for next year too. Yeah, no doubt. I I, I agree with you. I mean, for people that were ready to jump on jump ready to cut Lagarabone, I said it was foolish, and I still stick with that because, like you said, Aaron, we saw what he's capable to do. Is he a guy that you're going to pound the rock with, you know, thirty times a game with? No, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. If he a lead back, no, no, he's not. He's a back that's used a running back by committee, and you use him well. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Eagles did. I think he had about uh, 14 carries for, for 46 yards or something of that nature. He had that one receiver touchdown. But like you said, the way they used him, it was perfect. They used them. They used them in the first quarter, second quarter. They mixed in Darren Sproles. You saw a lot of Darren Sproles, so we didn't see the entire preseason. So they finally took him out took him out of the bubble wrap. You saw him. You saw Wendell Smallwood mixed in in the game as well. So you saw all three running backs getting tasted in 
late in the game in that fourth quarter when the Eagles when the Eagles needed to ice the needed to you know ice the game away and you know try to eat up clock. What did they do? They give it to the big boys and back in the Garibaldi because of what does he do? He's going to hit that defense hard. He's going to tire them out because that defense already tired. So what do you do? And what happened? Late in that game, LeGarrette Blunt started to rip off some good runs. And it was like, oh, this guy actually does have some burst in his step. Well, yeah, you got to actually give him a chance, and you got to give the offense line, the offensive line a chance to actually play a full game and not like a half, not a first half or just a series or two before you make preconceived judgments. So I agree with you. I think Blunt played tremendously, obviously. Rose did his thing. He was he was key. Smallwood he he did his he he, he did his thing as well too. Corey Clement who was active in today's game didn't get no carry, but he 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 had a special team tackle as well from what I saw. So it's nice to see him get involved in action. Obviously Pumphrey is inactive, but we'll see who's inactive week by week as it goes along between Clement and Pumphrey. Even though I'm kind of upset that Pumphrey. Even though I'm kind of upset at the other rookie running backs who are making moves and not Humphrey, but I'll explain about that later. I just think it's like if they can – well, I mean, it doesn't matter how good your rookies are. You're not going to bench the veteran running back talent that you have for them. But, you know, the way that they're working, their two main ones – or their two – you know, they're one and two um, – Sproles and Blunt, you know, they have the potential right. to, if they can get the chemistry down right, they have the potential to kind of have like a two-headed monster at running back with two supporting characters. Mm-hmm. So their they're running game is very, very, very deep at the moment, which is like I think the first time that we can say this in a while. I mean, we don't think we've had a running game this deep in a long time. You know, even when Shady was here, like the running game wasn't necessarily that deep because we knew that he was taking every snap almost, just about. Right. I mean, yeah. I want to say honestly, yeah. like, we haven't had a pair. We haven't had a pair of like running backs like this. I want to say since uh, Westbrook and uh, Weaver. Or Buckholder. Buckholder, yeah, Buckholder. I don't know. I always thought that Weaver had the potential that the potential to have the trajectory to be better than Buckholder, but unfortunately, you know, when he blew out his knee, um, yeah. that was the end for him. And it was a damn shame because that uh, he was going to have really probably a really bright career. He was because he wasn't like a fullback, fullback. He was like that mixture of a fullback and a running mm-hmm. back. It was weird. It was yep. a strange mixture. That could, again, also get the pass off the bubble screen, too. We all know how Andy yep. Reid felt about his little stocky running backs that had good speed, that had some body to them to where they could bounce off defense. But they had decent hands to where they could also, you know, be incorporated in the passing game. Andy likes really versatile players. And, you know, so that's it, that's kind of how that's what that tandem was. So I mean, they're Blunt and Sproles are two very different players than uh, Westbrook and Weaver were, but they have different skill sets and they still have like places like parts where they're superior in their NFL game in terms of you know right. I mean, not necessarily rankings. I don't really pay attention to rankings. I try to just go off of what I see. But they right. have like. Two number two running backs who arguably could be a running back number one on another team. I mean, maybe not so much Sproles now given his age, but maybe he could still. I mean, he still obviously has the speed. He still has the game intelligence and still has that kind of versatility. Um, but I like how deep the running game is right now. I think that's a really mm-hmm. that's a huge for the Eagles because it's been a long time since we've had a pretty deep running game. 
No, you're certain. You're totally, totally, totally right about that. And I'm looking at the um, box score and Wentz threw the ball 39 times and the Eagles running backs had 14 for Smallwood and 18 carries. Carries, so about 40 passes to 20 carries. Not ideal, but you'll take it. You'll take it because we saw the Eagles game plan. It was to take shots at the Washington secondary and try to, you know, loosen up that defense, which I don't blame them. Uh, for doing so, hey, like you said, Legarrette Blunt, if he if he can continue to play this way, obviously I don't think he wants to be forty six yards next week. But hey, maybe he might get up to seventy next week, which will be fine because it's all work in progress. The NFL season is a marathon, not a sprint. I want to work my way up to that one hundred yard game for Legarrette Blunt because it's going to happen. It may happen, and if it does, then that means that Darren Sproles is probably going to get some open rings and he's going to get some nice little screen passes or Smallwood or Pumphrey or Clinton. Something's going to happen when LeGarrette Blunt does have that breakout game because he was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. Let's not forget that, people. 1,000-yard rusher, 18 touchdowns. You, you just don't mistakenly have those type of numbers at 30 years old no. having running back. Nope. And honestly, too, like we said, uh, we said it when we were talking about how people needed to chill out about him. Um, he had like a career high year in carries last year, so mm-hmm. he's coming off that. So there was going to be a little bit of like I don't want to say rust because rust isn't the right word, but um, maybe fatigue would be a good one. But then again, you do have the off season. Yeah, I guess like that's a like when they do a bunch of innings. Yeah, exactly. So I I really enjoyed the running game today. I thought the running game was was great. And I think the running game didn't really get as much attention as it should because once they put up a hell of a performance today. Right. Certainly. I totally I agree with you and that running game is gonna need to be influ I'm gonna need to be uh influential as the season progresses because you can't always expect once to have these type of performances because that's just the law of averages. But we'll mm-hmm. see what happens next week against uh Kansas City. Uh, moving on here on the pot on the Total Sports Podcast here. Uh, we looked at three takeaways, but there is always that one thing that every team needs to fix on, even if you win or lose. Obviously, when you lose, there's more than one thing that you need to improve on, but the Eagles won, so we'll keep it to one. What is one thing, Ant, that this team needs to improve on heading into next week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who put up 42 against the New England Patriots on Thursday night football. I don't think it's – I wouldn't call it necessarily a area to improve, but I would call it an area to, like, breathe, regroup, and reassess um, mm-hmm. the corner situation. They need to, you know, yes. figure out what they're going to do with that. Uh, from what I had yes. read, Darby might not be out for the season. Um, apparently he dislocated his ankle, which is no surgery, which means he could make a midseason return. Um, Jalen played really well today. I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, but Robinson is not an ideal starter at corner. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the situation. Like, like I said, not necessarily like an area to improve because it's not like the corners played bad today. It was just a situation that they were thrust into based upon dumb, bad, dumb, bad luck. Um, but I think they need to reassess the corner situation before they go into to 
next week's game. Do I think that Alex Smith is going to put up numbers like he did on Thursday every single week? No, I do not. I absolutely do not. But it's there. And if he did it against the Patriots defense and for the first no. time in his career, it looks like he's, it looks like he's showing some, um, as the great Mick Foley used to say, testicular fortitude. <laughs> He did. He did. Smith did, and 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 I think what the Eagles have to watch out for is that Alex Smith. And I like that point of you saying that you know secondary is one thing they got to prove on. I said the same thing as well because without Ronald Darby there, somebody's gonna have to check Tyree Hill. And you know, God bless Jalen Mills because he had a tall task going up against Terrell Pryor, and he held his own. I give him that. He really held his own against a thousand yard receiver and Terrell Pryor. He really held his own. Tyreek Hill is a different beast. That man is fast. He can fly. He did that. Tyreek Hill literally blew the top off the Patriots secondary and scored what was like a, what was it like a seventy-five yard touchdown pass or something like that? Something ridiculous. And he threw up the peace sign oh, yeah. and still had room left to spare. Oh yes, he did. I'm very glad that the guy I uh, guy I played in fantasy this week benched him. Although even if he played him, it wouldn't have saved him anyway because my team just went off. We'll talk about fantasy. And a yeah, I know. Because I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of fantasy yeah. joy right now. I see joy. But my area of improvement, I think the Eagles need to improve on heading into um, into next week's game, is I think it's, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be key. I think I don't want to say it's improved. I don't want to say improve. Yeah, improvement. I think the offensive line definitely has to improve. O-line has to improve because there was just a little bit too many times that Washington was getting – that Washington's defensive line was getting so much pressure on Wentz that Wentz had to – he had to escape a lot of bad situations that he was being put in where he had to, you know, mm-hmm. make throws he didn't really want to have to make. And obviously that Aguilar play, we don't want him to be doing that consistently over 16 games because – Nope. Nine times out of ten, you make that type of throw, you're not going to get lucky. It's usually going to get picked off. So I think the offensive line has to do a much better job of protection, and this is going to be and – and, and, and this is a good test with Kansas City because they have a very tough front seven with Justin Houston on there, um, uh, Derek Johnson, the linebacking core, and you got Benny Logan on that defensive line as well. I forgot who their defensive ends are. But it's a pretty tough Kansas City front seven, so I think that's the one area improvement the offensive line has to improve because you want Wentz upright. You don't want him ducking and dodging and for his being a magician in the pocket, which is cool. It's all nice for us to see as fans, but we don't want to see that on a consistent basis, especially in a tough place like Kansas City where it's hard for opposing teams to win there. Yeah, they have a they have a really tough uh, tough stadium to play, and they got a really good home field advantage. And you know and they they showed up on Thursday. So I mean, if I were the Eagles, I mean, I I'm not going to say I would be scared, but I would definitely try to watch as much tape as I can and go. And I wouldn't take them lightly, obviously, and I don't think they would because they're just a really good team. Um, but mm-hmm. this is where I would lock myself in a room and just replay as much tape as I possibly can for at least 24 hours straight and just look for mistakes that might be able to be capitalized on for when we play them. Yes, yeah, certainly. Got to. Got to look out for those mistakes. And, um, 
when you talk about Kansas City Chiefs, because they had two guys go off at fantasy, Kareem Hunt and, and Tyreek Hill, we got to talk about fantasy because we're bringing a new segment to you guys here on the podcast. We call this the best fantasy play of the day or week. I just say day because it sounds cool. We're out here talking about the week because I was here including the Thursday night game. We would include Monday night, but Monday night hasn't happened yet. So we're calling this the best fantasy play of the day where me and Angela give from give our selection on who was the best fantasy pickup or best player who or player that had one of the best fantasy days of the week in the NFL. So Angela, who was your best fantasy play of the day? Uh, no contest, Kareem Hunt. I think he set like a rookie like his game like set like a rookie record or something. Um Yeah. It was I'm watching the game. I have him in fantasy. I picked him up in the fourth round. I got completely roasted because I took him before Christian McCaffrey. And I didn't care. I was just like, whatever. I grew up with Andy Reid. I know how he likes his, like we said earlier in the podcast, I know how he likes his little stocky running backs that have good speed and sure hands. So I knew that, I, and with um, going down, I knew that Kareem Hunt was probably going to get, like, the majority of the carries. And, like, anything law of averages says, go with the running backs that are going to get the most carries because they're going to get into the end zone more often. And it's just, like I said, it's simple law of averages. And he had 17 carries for 148 yards and a touchdown. And if you're in a PPR league and have him as your running back, oh, he had beautiful. five receptions for 98 yards. I'm sorry? I said, yeah, beautiful. His numbers are just beautiful for fantasy this week. Exactly. So think about this, like as a running back alone, his his numbers were great, 17 carries for 148 yards and a touchdown. But he added five receptions, again, if you're thinking in PPR formats, for 98 yards and two touchdowns. So he had three touchdowns on the night, a total of uh, 246 yards. 246. That's a hell of a rookie debut. Oh, yeah. And I have, Leonard, I have Leonard Fournette too, but like all eyes were on Leonard Fournette as being the premier running back that was coming out of this draft. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. I I think Hunt's going to turn some heads. I think Hunt's going to just friggin' explode this whole season. I I don't think that Thursday night was a fluke in his skill set. And knowing how Andy likes players like that, sky's the limit for this dude. So expect his name no to d- come up multiple times this season as the fantasy player of the of the week. No, no doubt about it. I, I I agree with you. And if people don't know, I am one of I am I am I am one of the biggest supporters of the Kareem Hunt fan club. You can check my Twitter. You can search my Twitter name of Kareem Hunt. There's a bunch of tweets about Kareem Hunt from me. I'm a big supporter of the Kareem Hunt bandwagon. I thought the Eagles should have drafted him. To be honest with you, wrote a whole story about him. Told us what's up. If people didn't, if people aren't aren't a friend of me on Facebook, or have a friend of me on Facebook, I had I, I had I felt so good about Kareem Hunt's uh, uh, game. I had I had I had to put my story back out there <laughs> and say, hey, look, I was right about something. I was right about this guy. I had to make myself. It's so a beautiful good feeling, isn't it? There. It is. It's a beautiful when, when feeling. Isn't on it? It, it is. It's how I it's how I feel about Dak Prescott. Um, but I think also the thing with, that you have to realize with Kareem Hunt too is like he's got he showed really good maturity in that yeah. you know his first play was a fumble and when that happened all I thought to myself was oh no oh no oh dear God no Andy's going to set him and Andy kept running him out there and he showed why he deserved to keep to be running out there continuously 
you know, he recovered, and I think that's like a thing with like young players. It's very easy for us to get in their head when they, you know, foul up a play like that. And you know, he didn't. Kudos to him. He he rebounded. He regrouped and had a record-breaking rookie performance. And I don't think anyone would have been able to call that if they would have seen his first play it being a fumble. Yeah, and even when you saw him make all, that first. When you saw him make that fumble, you saw on the sideline, he was upset at himself for messing up. Like, he knew he messed up. And not, none of his teammates didn't come over there and say, yeah, you messed up or, or gave the cold shoulder. He knew as himself that he let the team down. And then you saw his teammates mm-hmm. come over and pump him up like, yo, that's all right. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. We all make those mistakes. And like you said, Ann, she came back out like a mature veteran, brushed it off and was like, I'm running the ball, I'm catching the ball, I'm doing what I got to do to win. Well, he's a rookie, so, I mean, like, they've and, – and all his, his teammates, like, have had those moments. They've had those, you know, times in their career where they've been really young and they've been like, oh, my God, it's the first – not maybe not the first time they got their hands on the ball, but, like, one of – like, oh, my God, it's, like, one of the first times I got my hand on the ball and I totally screwed up and I fumbled and, mm-hmm. oh, no, they're going to sit me and – you see your NFL career flash before your eyes almost, like probably being a little bit dramatic in that assessment, but you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, like kudos to his teammates for going up to him on the bench and being like, it's all right, dude, it's all right, shake it off, shake it off. It's one play, it's one fumble, it's not the end of the world. And it wasn't because he rebounded very well and very well as an understatement. I wish I had some kind of like 50-cent like adjective that I could use, but I'm like at a loss because like, I'm just so – I'm over the moon about the 44 points he got me on Thursday. I mean, I pretty much had my match yeah. on Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah, Kareem Hunt, I had him in one of my leagues, too. Actually, actually, at one ESPN, ESPN league I have him in, I think it was a stand, I think it's a standard league or whatever. I think it's standard. Oh. I, hope it is. I had Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill on my squad. Damn. And Hunt gave me about 44 points, and Tyreek Hill gave me 22 points. So between both well, of them. I had got 66. Yeah, but the thing about Hunt is, too, Hunt helps you in PPR formats as well. Like, Hunt's a valuable yeah, piece to have, like, if you're in a PPR format, which is what I'm in, which is, again, like, why everyone, like, like I said, like, when I drafted him in the fourth round and the Christian McCaffrey was still out there, and um, I forget, there was another rookie that was still out. I want to say, I don't even remember. I want to say, I don't, I'm not even going to try to, like, name a name. I know that I took Fournette in the second round. And when I came up in fourth, it was Hunt, McCaffrey, and I forget who the other um, rookie running back was. And I took Hunt, and like I told you, I got roasted for it. Like, why would you do that, man? Like, that's why they all thought that I was a freaking layup. Like, a girl doesn't even know who she's drafting. No, girl just has a really good draft strategy in that when I go first round, I take best available on the board. Um, When I go second or when PPR formats, that's best wide receiver available on the board. And in second round, that's when I grab my running back. And and from then on there, it's just what's out there. And I kind of assess the situation from there. So what happened was when I was in round two, I wanted Ajayi. Ajayi got taken two picks ahead of me. Um, that's when I took Fournette because I like to try to anticipate, like, what player do I want right now that I know will not be out there the next round? So that was what why I took Fournette round two. Amari Cooper was out there round three, which was a complete no-brainer. 
Uh-huh. And then we get to round four, get to round four, and I'm just kind of like, all right, well, I kind of maybe need a veteran back because I have a rookie as my RB1 right now. And I was going to take Marshawn Lynch because we all know how I feel about him. He was my fantasy keeper for a really long time when he yes. was on Seattle. Um, I'm kind of like part of the reason that I'm a Seattle fan is because I started following them because of him. Uh, I have his jersey, like, which, you know, sometimes in Philadelphia social circles also gets me roasted, but I really don't care. We've already been over the podcast multiple times. I did not stop. I did not start following the Seahawks because they won the Super Bowl. It came two years before that. But anywho, um, you know, I was thinking about him, and then he got taken to pick ahead of me. And then I'm looking around, and I'm just like, all right, all right, all right. Who do I want that I know is not going to be around next round? And that's how I operate. So, like, there are some players that I take that maybe I take them around ahead of where they should go. But if that's a player that I really want and they're still out there and I know they're not going to be out there next round, then, I, then I'll go – I'll dip below the rankings and I'll go a little bit further back in the rankings. So that's my strategy. So when round four came up and Marshawn Lynch came, I, like, look at them and I'm like, well, all right. And, again, law of averages who's going to have the most touches. I thought Hunt was going to have the most touches with Flair being down. Like, yeah, they're going to use McCaffrey in, in, uh, in Carolina, but Cam likes to throw and Cam likes to run himself. And, you know, Thursday night's performance aside, Alex Smith has never really been one of the more prolific throwing quarterbacks in the league, so I figured he was the best option to go with. And, again, like I said, it all comes down to me trying to anticipate what everyone else was going to take after me before I got up in the next round. And that's why I had grabbed him there. And it was a great value. I mean, it was a good value pick for me. I mean, I'm happy that I got it on, you know, 44 points with my fourth round pick. I'll take that every single draft, every single one. And certainly, so certainly, me, definitely. He, he's my player of the week. So now on to yours. Well, my player of the week, I didn't have on in my fantasy teams, but <clears throat> I might have to pick him up. Right, I might pick him up after this podcast in one of my leagues, and that is Tariq Cohen, the rookie running back of the Chicago Bears from North Carolina A&T, the fourth-round pick, had 17.3 fantasy points on ESPN, and and he had Mm -hmm. five rushes for 66 yards, eight receptions for 47 yards, and one touchdown. He was the Bears' fantasy leader on ESPN. Had 17 points in the NFL.com. He had 21.3 fantasy points. Great pickup, great play for anybody that had Tariq Cohen because him and him and Jordan Howard are going to be the one and two combination in Chicago because obviously they got rid of Kadeem Carey and got rid of, of, of Jeremy Langford. So it's going to be the Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen show. And my friend from Chicago, he's been on the show, Chris Janifel, me and him are debating back and forth. Before the game started, he was like, I'm really thinking about taking – he's like, I have Tariq Cohen and I have Bilal uh, – uh, uh, was it Bilal Powell or Matt Forte, Bilal Powell. He's like, I really have those two. But he's like, I'm leaning towards Powell, but I want to pick Cohen. And he picked Powell, and he was like, man, Cohen's about to go off. And Cohen had a great game. So if anybody hasn't picked him up in your league yet, you need to pick up Tariq Cohen. He's going to be a big playmaker, especially now with the Bears losing Kevin White for a third straight season to a season-ending injury at wide receiver. So, Tariq Cohen, I bet a lot of people are going to pick up because the Bears are leaking oil in their wide receiving court with Kevin White now going down with an injury for his third straight season. Done. So, that's my fantasy pick. That's my fantasy play of the day. 
under the radar guy that a lot of people didn't pick up in their leagues, but I know a lot will after this week is over. Oh, definitely. I mean, they definitely gave um, gave Atlanta a run for their money today. So mm-hmm. it took me down to the left. Took me down to the wire. Yeah, it wasn't the rollover and die performance that a lot of people thought Chicago was going to give them. So, you know, kudos to them. And I, I, I would say that's a really good piece of advice. I mean, honestly, that's I pride myself on picking sleepers, and I didn't even have them on my radar. So. Hey, Eric yeah, Cohen's a good PPR guy. He's a good PPR yeah. dude. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. The Golden. best thing about PPR leagues is, like, those versatile players are the ones that will end up coming up huge for you. Mm-hmm. And if anybody didn't pick up Chris Thompson or the Redskins, he's another good guy, too, because Washington's running back situation is very sketchy. Very sketchy right now. So Chris Thompson's another guy. I just had to throw that in. And that kind of bugged me when you mentioned Pumphrey earlier. It kind of bugged me that I was seeing, like, I'm sitting here, and I know it's week one. I'm seeing all these rookie running backs having really great debuts. I'm seeing Kareem Hunt have a great debut. I'm seeing Tariq Cohen make plays. Shoot, I'm even seeing Marlon Mack, the backup to Frank Gore, make a couple plays here and there, even though the L.A. Rams straight up railroaded the Indianapolis Colts today. Yeah, they did. 46-9. Yeah, they did. 46-9. Who would have thought that? I can believe it. Well, I mean, maybe. I mean, I probably would have thought like no, not by that big of a margin. Hell no, not forty-six nine. No way. That was an ass whooping of 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 just epic proportions. You never might have seen nothing like that. But I was it. It kind of got me wondering, like, I see these three running backs, you know, have these, have their moments. And I, I kind of, I know it's kind of, it's too early to fall into the hype, but I just sat there and I'm just like, well, damn, did the Eagles draft the wrong running back? <laughs> did they really do Remains that? Remains to be seen, I guess. Yeah, that's the only thing. We, we got to hope, we got to hope that pump returns into something. Because if these guys can take, can go to the next level and do something in their careers, it won't look good. But, hey, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And to wrap up the podcast, obviously, we got to wrap up with our matchup to watch out for in week two. And then Angela's final thought, let's get up, let's go to the matchup to watch and watch out for week two. Um, my matchup, Angela already mentioned it, the Eagles secondary, that's my matchup to watch. I'm trying to see how the Eagles will match up with Tariq Hill. Hill has a Amazing game. I have all six catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. The dude's speedster. He's really, really fast. Like, he's not Usain Bolt fast, but he's like, speed is like behind Usain Bolt. Like, this guy can go 0 to 100 ridiculously fast. And a lot of people are saying that this, a lot of people on Twitter, draft Twitter, et cetera, are saying that Tyreek Hill's ceiling at this stage of his career is better than T.Y. Hilton and, and, Antonio, and Antonio Browns. Uh, a lot of people are very high on this kid. Very bold. But he's backing it up with big plays, and he's a big-time playmaker. So Jalen Mills, he played good against Terrell Pryor, a bigger wide receiver. But how will he match up now with a speedster? And Tariq Hill is my matchup to watch out for 
in next week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. What about you, Ant? What do you think is going to be the matchup uh, to watch out for in week two? I got to say the Bears at the Bucks. I think the Bucks are just chomping at the bit to get on the field, and they are just going to take the Bears to the woodshed. That I'm call, I think that game's going to be a huge blowout. And, you know, then there's always the 49ers Seahawks, which is a good rivalry game that they always end up, you know, both showing up for regardless how awful the Niners are in the standings. Uh-huh. But what's your matchup from the Eagles game you're watching for? <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about, like, no, dude, I thought you were talking about, like, football in general. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like, I, like, I like that analysis that you just gave. <laughs> it was a good one. Yes, okay. Um, my matchup with the Eagles, I just want to tell the D-line, how the D-line handles Hunt. Mm-hmm. I like that, how the D-line handles Hunt and how the secondary tries to handle Tariq Hill. Because those, the those are the two big guys, even though Travis Kelsey might go off. We have the battle of the Kelsey brothers. People can't forget about that. We got the cool Kelsey versus the not cool Kelsey. You can kind of figure out who he is. <laughs> Who's yeah, not right. cool, Kelsey? That's just one has swag and the other one doesn't have swag. You kind of figure it out who it is. I don't have to pretty tell you. much. <laughs> but that's 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 the wrap on the football portion. Like I said, Eagles win thirty to seventeen. They're one and zero, and guess what? They are one and zero in the division with Doug Peterson getting the Gatorade bath at the end of the game. The Eagles are one and zero. They're tied for first place with the Dallas Cowboys. Todd, first place. It's a great feeling. Eagles are one and zero, and they're one and zero in division. They snap a seven game, a seven game road losing streak um, that that extended all the way back to last season. So great job, Eagles. Let's see what they do week two against the Kansas City Chiefs and Angela. As we already know, we always do our final thought. If anybody's watched Jerry Springer, you know Springer always does the final thought where he, you know. Breaks it down, and you know, after people have these outrageous stories about, hey, you know, they didn't know this was this person was their cousin, and all this other crazy stuff. But here on Total Sports Live, we don't do none of that stuff. We just try to make it easy. We just try to make it easy for you and break it down with a little final thought. Where Angela gives her opinions on anything happening in the world of sports, or anything else happening, or anything else happening in our mind that have grabbed her attention from this week, this month, or wherever. So, without further ado, I'm going to let Angela take it away here with her final thought. Oh, wow. We're really testing the limits of how fast I can talk on this one. Um, oh, no, my final thought tonight is... Oh, okay. We won't get cut off tonight by the British lady? Nah. Honestly, like, my final thought this week is that we were talking a lot about fantasy, and there's one thing that really, really sticks in my craw, and... A lot of people, when I say this, you're probably going to be like, wow, really? One thing that I really hate about fantasy season is, look, I'm a female that's really into fantasy football. I've been playing it. I've been playing fantasy since um, 2009. I've been doing it for a really long time. I'm really good at it. Uh, if I actually can stay awake for my draft. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> um, but the one thing that I really can't stand about fantasy football is this trend that I'm starting to see of all female fantasy football leagues. Mm-hmm. And me as a female, I can't really stand that because here's the thing: you make this all female league, so you can kind of have like your safe space because no one else knows what the hell they're doing either. But you know, in like mm-hmm. all of sports, wouldn't wouldn't you rather beat the best? Like that's how you get better. 
So, and how I feel about that is, you know, having like an all girls league and saying guys can't come into it is no better than when guys have all guys leagues and they don't let us into it. So you want to know what? Go get into your leagues with your friends and don't shut people out based on gender and go out and earn your respect like some of us spent years building. Because you're not doing yourself any favors. Like, ladies, I appreciate, you know, you all wanting to get into it, but girls-only leagues are not the way to go. They just kind of make you all look bad anyway because it makes you look like you're afraid of the boys. Me, I'm afraid of nobody in fantasy football, even if I'm getting my ass handed to me, which in our league I kind of am right now. But that's okay. I know how to fix a team based on ad drops and with waiver wire and stuff. I'll be fine by midseason. But you don't make yourself look any better when you go, well, it's a girls-only league. Well, great, bully for you. But you might be, like, one of two people that know what they're actually doing. So, of course, you're going to sleepwalk into the championship. You don't get respect that way. You get respect by the way, like, you take your licks like we all do. And you learn how to actually play. So, ladies, not a really good idea and certainly not a good look. So, if you're in one this year, you might want to think about expanding it next year and letting in other people so, you know, you can have some real competition. Not saying that all girls who play fantasy football aren't. But nine times out of ten with these all-female leagues that have become a trend, there are about, like, half of them that have never done it before and have no idea how scoring works or anything. Like, these are the type of people that will probably take a friggin' retired player in the first round and not even realize it. Yeah. So that's my final thought. All-female fan, all fantasy football leagues, no bueno. Play with the big boys and win and earn your respect that way. Don't shut them out because it makes you look like you're afraid of them. And if you're shutting them out, you probably are. <laughs> hey, I can't disagree with that. And you always know, everybody, that Angela's final thought, breaking it down, all female leagues, no bueno, play with the big dog, mm-hmm. or don't play at all. That's how we just going to leave it at that. And that's going to wrap up another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Really appreciate it, like we say before every and every podcast. Make sure you check us out on multiple platforms, blogtalkradio.com, uh, the TuneIn Radio app, and um, iTunes. So we got the podcast app, just search TSO, Total Sports Live, hit the subscribe button. Also, check out totalsportslive.com. A lot of great, a lot of good content on the site this week. What we had, we had a deal with Atiba, did an NFL preview show. Great podcast between those two guys. Um, we had a deal and a team get their weekly picks. It was on the website. Matt breaking it down with the with the with the weekly recap and obviously the post game from today's game. Um, Caitlin Hemsley, who's now part of the Total Sports Off team, she's going to be doing flyers, hitting us with two flyer stories, five flyers, five flyers players who need to improve this season, and just a quick tidbit about training camp. That and amongst them, all other things coming to you uh, this week on Total Sports Live. So, like I said before, every and every, like I say, the wrap of every show, everyone have a good one. Talk to you soon. We'll hopefully, we'll join you next week to talk about the Chiefs. I can't necessarily say that because I will be on vacation. So, yeah, so there won't be a podcast next week, sad to say. Party time. It's hard to say that. Oh, God. We'll put it, we'll put it in. Yeah, we'll figure. You earned, we'll, you earned yeah, it, man. We'll, you you earned it, man. You work your ass off. You completely. If anyone earns a vacation, it's you, dude. Hey, I, I sometimes I question that at the end of the day. But hey, we will definitely try. We will definitely, definitely before that, we will definitely fit in a podcast. We'll 
put in a podcast to preview to preview the Eagles game against Kansas City. And even though I won't be here, I will leave the keys to the ignition to Angela. So if Angela wants to do the show on Sunday with Matt or Dio or Jalil or whatever, she can do so. Because we might, we might end up doing that. Cause I don't want the show to just stop because I'm not here. Calling my they big brother, calling my big brother. So y'all two can do it and break down the game and wherever I'm at, because I'm not giving up my location, I'll listen to I'll listen to it and see how it comes out and how it pans out. But that might end up being a plan. So we're going to look out for that. Angela and Adia will be taking over the show while I'm away. And Matt will probably be taking over the website. Yeah, Adia, you don't have a choice. I've already volunteered you for it. <laughs> there you go. So, hey, everybody, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you guys later this upcoming week to break down the Eagles. And, um, hey, we'll just go from there and Everyone have a good one, and we'll talk to you guys very soon. Bye, everyone.